If you're still thinking that the idea that Bird destroyed the evidence in Donna's case to cover for D'Angelo is too complicated and theoretical, remember that the VREAR connection was common public knowledge in early 1977, and the possibility that the suspect had also killed Donna had reached Oscar on San Quentin's death row. He had reporters, attorneys, and local community members volunteering to help him prove his innocence, as he wrote to Donahue on May 30, 1977. I hope you've seen that the Visalia police think that the Sacramento rapist is the one that murdered Claude Snelling, plus some other cases. Note, if that's so, he was there in December of 1975, by what the police say. Note that the Sacramento rapist uses a ski cap or a ski mask. Plus, he always leaves something of someone else at the places that he does these things. The attorneys and the newsmen that are trying to help me found this out. This Sacramento rapist carries a knife and gun, so the police say. Will you ask the Vasilia police what the other cases are? What kind of cases? Please do this before the sheriff's office covers it up. I know they are not telling all that is still going on, but I have people writing me that I don't know and telling me. Looking again at how much Oscar and the people helping him knew in May 1977 about a possible VREAR Exeter connection made us go back and dig through the correspondence between Oscar and Donahue. We realized that we hadn't looked at a lot of the early letters from Oscar since we first got them. He started writing to Donahue in August of 1976, right after his conviction. He was still in the Tulare County Jail until after his sentencing, and his letters were handwritten, often in pencil. This continued until his wife was able to get a typewriter to him in San Quentin in December. Since the quality was so poor, we hadn't bothered to scan them, which, in retrospect, was a mistake. One thing we learned from rereading those early letters is that Oscar was not allowed to participate in the preparation of his defense at all. He never saw the photos, read any police reports, knew what the witness statement said, or even what Pettyjohn had found, and reported to Donahue. He just sat in jail for six months and waited for the trial. After his conviction, he was totally stunned. He simply could not understand how he had been convicted of crimes that he had not committed. People he had never seen had pointed to him in court or told wild lies about non-existent conversations, and he could not make any sense of it. Oscar to Donahue, October 13, 1976. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I know I am here with lies from Powell and cops to get those girls to lie, and the newspaper running me down. You may not believe me. You're the only one that knows that. But I didn't lie. I was in Visalia. They told me here not to tell anyone why I was here, because they will kill someone that did those things. But I told them that I wouldn't lie, no matter if it did end my life. God doesn't want me to lie, and if he cannot keep me safe, I have a place in heaven where I will have peace. I've told some that ask, but I've also told them that it's not so. I know I couldn't ever do what was done, and so does my wife and God. I will know before I die. I know the conscience of some will not let them live with their self. You are to be here 60 days before you can do much, but I've been helping around here after the first day. They let me help out where the office is after three or four days. I like to do things to help. The time goes by so much better, and I don't worry so much. May you be in God's care. 
October 25th, 1976. I hope God takes over and the ones that can help will. I know I'm here for someone else. I was railroaded here by cops. I hope God puts them through something to wake them up and all that set me up. They will go to hell if they don't tell the truth. This place is hell on earth. I'd like for Powell to spend a little time in here and then maybe him and them wouldn't lie so. Then maybe they could see just what it is like. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but someday I will prove it. They do have the wrong one. So help me if you can to prove this. I still say Johnson would too. At least he did it part from what he said to me that day. I feel he would. He knew I was framed more by cops. That, I feel, hurt me more than the man who did put my book there. November 7th. Whoever killed her got away free for what they did, and cops just wanted to close the case. So I'll die for someone else. That's not right. There are more bad cops than bad men on the street, it seems. November 10, 1976. Somehow, I hope to find out the truth. If I don't, I will put all of these transcripts together, word for word, for the world to read. Then, they can see how the lie was. Maybe this will help someone else to see how easy it is to be framed. Mr. Donahue, I hope you can help me, and do believe me. You never did say if you did or not. I wasn't the one, and couldn't hurt anyone. I don't like to lay here for someone else or die for them. I know they are still free. I love my family and they do mean so much to me. I know this is hard on them also, so please try hard to get together all that do want to help. Then maybe someone can help see. I know I didn't have a trial like I should have. November 21st. I was set up. It's plain to see. I want you to know it's hard to sit here knowing that you're innocent. But I guarantee one thing. I will try till the day I die to prove I am. And if I don't get a trial, the world will be able to read and hear all through the TV reporter that comes here. Powell and the others that did this will be here before this is over. Too much is coming out. The TV reporter started visiting Oscar right after the EAR cases were disclosed to the press and continued until the Sacramento Sheriff stupidly dismissed the VR connection. How many victims could have been saved if VPD and Oscar had been believed? December 22, 1976 A person does not know how easy it is for the sheriff's officers to lie just to keep from looking. I saw if they had used what they had in their reports, they would have had the right man. December 26, 1976 Well, this marks one year in hell on earth for someone else's doing. I hope to be able to prove this to the people that helped to put me here. I hope to see the day that the people that sat on the jury wake up to the law and see that some are innocent. They don't realize that a man can be. I need all of the help that I can get now to prove this. If we didn't have people in the sheriff's office that lied, 
maybe they could have come out with the truth. I still feel that the boyfriend had something to do with it, but I cannot prove it. I still cannot understand why semen cannot be typed for blood type. Of course, semen can be typed for blood, and the sample that Blake claimed was semen was typed as A, not Oscar's O. But he wouldn't see those lab reports until 2003. December 29, 1976. You yourself can't know how it feels to be put in prison for someone else. I know I was framed more by the sheriff's officers than the one that did murder that girl. They tried everything they could to put me here by lies and getting others to lie. I don't know how you feel, but I know because I'm innocent and I know I am. January 2nd, 1977. I also hope you do keep trying to help. You've never said or answered me if you do believe me or not. January 12th, 1977. I do believe in you as an attorney, but one other thing I can't understand is why you never answered my question that I asked you. I've asked you more than one time how you feel, if you feel I'm innocent or not. I know I can say I am over and over. But only God knows I am for sure. But I would truly like to know how you feel. I hope you do help so I can prove how wrong they were. Donahue to Oscar, January 18, 1977. In answer to your question as to whether I believe that you are innocent, the answer is yes. I have never felt otherwise. However, I am just like you are. For in your last letter, you state that you do not know how your invoice book got to the location of the bicycle. If I had the answer to that question, then perhaps I would know, for sure, as to who the third party may have been. Oscar to Donahue, January 19th. If you only knew how it hurts for them to say I did these things, I couldn't hurt anyone or anything, but to prove it to some is hard. If they only had to go through this, then maybe they would not be so quick to judge. I'll never understand how they could lie. They knew the girl wasn't raped, but they charged me anyway to make it look bad on me. January 23, 1977. I'd like to also thank you for your letter of January 18th. I just didn't know how you felt. Also, I hope you will assist the attorney they appoint me. I hope you do understand me. It is very hard to go through this mess. I just wish I knew if it would be any easier if a man knew he did something to be in a place like this. But that I'll never know, for I've always tried to do right by others. A man would only know how it truly feels after going through what I have. The only thing that keeps me going is my hopes that the truth will come out and be seen. If it hadn't been for my wife and family, I would just give up for it does hurt when you know it's not true. February 14, 1977. As you remember, I said I did not know if the book was in my pickup or car. Meanwhile, Oscar was attempting to learn about his own case by requesting all of the documents he had never seen which was all of them. Oscar to Donahue, 
September 27, 1976. Please send me all of the pictures you said you were going to bring to the jail, but they moved me so fast. Also, all the papers from what was said in court. I want to read them and start going through law books. I know they lied like I said before. Let me know if anything will help or how long it looks for a new trial now. I understand you cannot tell me all they have, but there has to be a way to bring it all out. I want to thank you for what you've done. May God be with you and your family each day. October 25th. I'd like every report from the two sheriffs and the signed statements also of those girls and boys too. I wish I had seen these papers before my trial. Write me back soon and send the papers and pictures so I can go through all. I've got to find out how they made the lie up. November 6, 1976. Send me anything so I can go over it. I do not want to be in the dark this time. This is my life, and I shouldn't be here. I wish I did know who did it. November 24th. Just a few lines to thank you for what you have sent. At least it helped put a little light on the picture. There is a lot I may not understand, but I am understanding more each day. It is very plain to see that they wanted to put me here right from the first. If they had tried, maybe they would have had the right one. December 23, 1976 I wish I could have read some of these statements before and sheriff's reports. They just added whatever they liked to put me here. December 29th Please get me the things I asked for soon. They should give you all. I have got to work some for myself now. I have my wife and kids to think of. I will try to make sure Powell will not get away with what he did, and it's not right that he should. January 2nd, 1977. These items I need so I can read them to see just what was said. Copies of Charles Morton's reports. All of them. Copies of Edward T. Blake reports. Copies of the lab reports of the man you had do them. Copies of Michael James Grubb reports. The doctor report that you had see me at the jail. A copy of what he said. Oscar did not know that even though his family had paid for an independent lab to test all of the evidence for the defense, that testing had never been done. The expert that Donahue hired, Parker, simply met with Morton and wrote a report on what Morton told him. Parker was not given any written lab findings. Morton told him that Donahue would need to get them from the DA, which Donahue never did. Parker wasn't told about the exculpatory ABO testing on Blake's sample and the hair on Oscar's sweater. Perhaps more shocking, Parker reported to Donahue that there were no vaginal or anal slides prepared at autopsy, so there was no way to know if semen had been present. He could not have been more wrong. Those slides were made and were found negative for semen by both Dr. Miller at autopsy and upon further examination by Mike Grubb. This was a critical mistake because it allowed Blake's incorrect semen testimony to go unchallenged by the defense at trial. Obviously, Morton lied to Parker about this exculpatory evidence 
and the defense didn't get the actual lab notes until 2003. January 19, 1977. I guess that you don't want to help me any, or could care less. I've asked for the reports over and over. I will file some paper this week with the courts to get them, if I don't receive them. I'm not going to sit here any longer. Every other man here has theirs. If I hadn't wanted them, I would have never asked. If you had to sit in this place, you would understand and want to help. I can't see how I was put here, so please send what I've asked for. I more than paid for them. January 20. I hope you answer these questions and send copies right back. I've asked for some of these things over and over. Please go over these things and answer one at a time. I keep a copy this way I can see what you're answering. Oscar included a list of 23 items that needed response, including Why was this ski cap not tested or shown at my trial? It belonged to someone. Why did you not make them show the footprints at the bike? I know they said one was the brother of the girl, but what did we have to prove that? Plus, there was more than one kind. Why were photos numbered 34 to 40 not shown? They were footprints at the body. Send copies of Charles Morton's reports, all of them. Send me a copy of Michael James Grubb's reports, Dr. Miller's report, Mike King reports, the first night and all. Pages of the invoice book that were in evidence, numbers 7116 and 7125. I'd like copies of the San Diego lab reports. Please, get me these things right away. I'd like to get back in court soon. Thank you for your time. January 23rd. These things I need. I'd like a photo of the ski cap. Photos 34 to 40 of the footprints by the body. Missing TCSO reports from Chamberlain, Holguin, and McKinney. Donahue, January 25th and January 27th. I'm enclosing a copy of the autopsy report made by Dr. Leonard R. Miller. Also enclosed are copies of the pages from the invoice book. I do not have copies of invoice number 7116 and 7125. Both of these supposedly had prints and went to grand jury. Oscar never received a full copy of either invoice. I do not have any report from a lab in San Diego. Photos number 34 to 40, Mike Grubb reports, nor any reports from Charles Morton. The ski cap in question was found approximately 50 to 100 yards from where the body was found, and it was determined that there was no connection between the cap and this crime. That is my opinion of why the cap was not tested. The cap was examined by Morton, and the hairs inside excluded as being from Oscar, exculpatory evidence that Donahue just missed. Donahue, February 4, 1977. As indicated by Mr. Morton's testimony, he did not find anything in reference to the ski cap which could be connected with this homicide. What Morton found was that the ski cap couldn't be matched to Oscar, not that it wasn't matched to the homicide. Again, I have not received any San Diego reports. The information I received was that the lab in San Diego could not make an identification of the print of the boot. 
That would have been important for the jury to hear. Donahue, February 11. With the ski cap, there wasn't any way that it could be identified or found to have belonged to any particular person. Other than the three hairs inside it that didn't match Oscar. Oscar to Donahue, February 20th. I'm going to address a few questions to you and hope you answer them. Was there ever any answer why Carol and Judy did not come to the trial? Also, the boy that was with the Richmond boy when they found the bike. He means Jim Diet. Can you tell me how far it is from Judy Stewart's house to Don Lee's home in Miles? How long does it take to ride a bike to his home? So I'd like to know how long it would take to ride. It had to be well after three when they left Judy's home. Now, please answer this question. Why did D.A. Powell ask you to ask me to take second degree if they didn't know they had framed me as much as the man that murdered the girl? Maybe he felt he did not have a case. Why? After going through the limited information Donahue had sent, Oscar immediately realized two important things. His innocence meant that a brutal killer was still free, and that although he could get a new trial based on a procedural appeal, the only way truly to prove his innocence was to identify Donna's real killer. Oscar to Donahue, August 10, 1976. I would like to talk to each one that I did talk to on the 26th if I can, or if they will talk with me. I feel that I might say something that they could remember because I know each word that I said to them and what their answer was to me and just what we were doing and where they were standing and who he was talking to and who passed me when I was talking to him. Maybe I can say a word that might make him or someone remember me. I only wish I had gone and talked to them the four hours I was out but I just believed the girl had run off and they would find her at someone's house. October 13, 1976. I still say if the FBI had been called, they would have been the right ones. Then all wouldn't have been covered up that would have helped me. I know that they had a shoe print the first night, for they also took my shoe print. I know you keep saying the girl and the book. The book was took. I don't know where last that book was. Oscar added more detail to this story in his letter to Donahue on June 17, 1977. John Dethridge is the one that took plaster casts of my shoes, so he should have made report. This was just before daylight, the 27th of December. Ask about his report. They should have given it to you long ago. November 21, 1976. I see it's hard to get anyone to believe you after you've been run down. I myself can see a lot, so maybe someone who does know law can see more. If you don't work for yourself, you just sit here. November 24. I have not got the money to keep pushing, but I hope maybe I can help myself some. I would like to see the names of each one that was working at Rich Brothers, I'm going to try to see if I can get that boy to remember. I still say there is no way he couldn't. I was there, and I know what I said, 
and I know that two men wouldn't ask the same question I did in the same afternoon. I only wish I had gone myself to see him. If I had known that was the time I needed, I may have. But I told my wife that the girl had just run off and I went to sleep, but I should have used those few hours from my life. I also know if I'd gone to the boy where I got the gas, he would have remembered. Oscar is talking about the few hours he was released on the morning of December 27th, before being rearrested later that afternoon. December 19th. I hope you keep your eyes open and try to see some of these men who are still doing things. I pray they get him before he murders someone again. I hope the people around Exeter open their eyes now and think. Donahue, January 10th, 1977. In regard to the various crimes which have occurred in Tulare County since your conviction, I do not have the manpower to make an investigation of each of them. Oscar to Donahue, February 9, 1977. Now, if you were in my shoes and you knew you'd been framed, I know that you'd try to do everything you could to help yourself. I know one thing. If I were you and you were I, I'd be doing everything I could to help you be free with the ones you love. You never know, but a man like myself dies just a little each day from the heartache and hurt, knowing that it is wrong to be here. I pray that you understand and try to do all that you can, for I still say that I was framed as much by the sheriffs as the one that murdered that girl. And before it's over, I'll prove that. Someday, I know the truth will come out and Powell will be right in on it. I will send more paper to the courts now in the next few days, for this is the only way I'll ever be free. If you had let me read what I have now, we could have proved my case at trial, for there are so many lies. Hope you answer soon. I received some more statements tonight as to what Powell tried at my trial with my witnesses. He tried to get them to go against me, Thank God they will not, even though they do not know me that well. But they know I'd never do what he said. So, after a few months on death row, Oscar's attention turned to evidence and suspects that might exonerate him. One thing that really stands out to us here is the total and complete lack of any mention of Jennifer Armour's homicide. Nothing in the correspondence, case file, or Oscar's collection of newspaper clippings. She was never included as a possible VR victim or connected with Donna's murder, despite the close proximity. We don't know if her case was unknown to Donna Hugh and Oscar, or if they believed the lie from Bird that her murder was, quote, solved. In any case, by the end of 1976, Oscar was focused on the notepad found by the bike, the unidentified fingerprints from his truck, the white paint on Donna's bike, the San Diego footprint expert, and men who were committing crimes that were consistent with Donna's kidnapping and murder. Oscar to Donahue, October 25th, 1976. Could you look at the bike and see if any paint is off it where the white was, or how the bike looks. It says here, the bike was root beer brown. I wish they had brought it to court, too. I wish we had some of the white paint to see if it came off the cop's car. 
Donahue, November 3rd. I believe that the bicycle was transported in a white van which belonged to the sheriff's office. You will recall that the expert testified that the white paint transplant did not come from your vehicle, but did come from the sheriff's office vehicle. Donahue was mistaken. The expert, Morton, did conduct the tests, but Donahue forgot to ask him about that on the witness stand, so the jury never heard it. November 6th, Oscar to Donahue. I'd like to know whose fingerprints were in and on my pickup. November 7. The white paint. What I wanted to know was if we could have some of the paint from the cop car to see if it did come off it. The family should know if the paint was there at first or not. I bet it was. November 21st. Also, again about the white paint on that bike. Did you have it to see if it did come from the sheriff's vehicle? I would like to have a supply of the paint and the one on the bike taken through a lab test. We have to now prove that the paint did come from someone that did that terrible thing, and I would like to know. Donahue to Oscar, November 29, 1976. You inquired concerning a paint sample taken from the bicycle and one of the sheriff's vehicles. This sample was sent to the Institute of Forensic Sciences in Oakland, and it was ascertained that the paint did not come from your vehicle, but was from the sheriff's vehicle, which had transported the bike from the scene in the citrus grove. I assume that the Institute still has in its records concerning the tests made regarding these samples. Donahue misstated the actual results of Morton's test. He had never read the lab notes, discussed it with Morton, or questioned him about it on the stand. Donahue got his information from Parker, who had talked to Morton, so third-hand. Morton had only eliminated the samples from 16 locations on Oscar's truck as being the source of the paint transfer. They were, for certain, not the same paint. However, Morton's lab notes only say that the paint from TCSO Johnson's vehicle was, quote, similar. He did not find a conclusive match. We discuss this whole drama later in the episode. Oscar to Donahue, December 19, 1976. Please send me copies of the white notepad with the numbers. December 30th. I would like copies of the white notepad that you showed me. January 2nd, 1977. Send copies of the sheriff's report where they first said anything about the paint on the bike. January 7th, 1977. P.S. I've also asked for a copy of the white notepad. He also wrote on a separate list attached to the letter. Also, I'd like copies of that white notepad. Donahue to Oscar, January 18th, 1977. Enclosed, please find a sheet of paper from a notepad I purchased during the course of the trial. The notepad was similar in size and color. Instead of a copy of the evidence, the actual three used pages from the notepad with writing, Donahue sent a blank sheet from a random notepad that he had bought. He clearly did not have a copy of the notepad pages in his case file. Oscar to Donahue, January 20th. 1977. Why did you not push the fingerprints in my pickup? They were unknown. 
At my trial, Powell tried to make it look like someone had tried to take all the prints out of my pickup. Showing there were prints in my pickup could have proven that Powell was lying. Send me a copy of the sheriff's office report where they first said anything about the paint on the bike. I want to know what it said. The white notepad. You have that. January 23rd, 1977. The white notepad I asked for was the one that had all the numbers on it. You showed me in jail. I'd like copies of those, not the size. Donahue to Oscar, January 25th. I am enclosing a copy of the pages from the tablet. It's obvious from reading all of the exchanges regarding the notepad that Donahue did not have a copy of the notepad pages in his file until this point. He either asked TCSO or the DA's office for a copy. Donahue to Oscar, February 11th. You have the reports concerning the attempt to take fingerprints from the pickup. So far as I can recall, there were no fingerprints of the victim found in your pickup, and I believe this is what Mr. Powell was referring to at trial. No, Mr. Donahue. What Oscar was referring to was the fact that Powell argued at closing that the reason Donna's fingerprints were not found in Oscar's truck was because the truck had been wiped of fingerprints. Oscar was noting that there were three unknown fingerprints found on the passenger side of the truck, exactly where Donna would have been during Powell's kidnapping scenario. The truck was not wiped of prints, and someone other than Donna touched the door, wing window, and the glove box. Oscar to Donahue, February 20. I've asked for part before. I'll list them again. There were good latent prints in my pickup. At my trial, Powell said there was none in my pickup whatsoever. Now, I'd like to know if these prints could be matched to this man, John Shuren. I've never seen a report about any paint on the bike. What date did they find that there was paint on it? I still have not seen a lab report that said the paint came from a cop car or van. Please send that report. We believe this request was received by Donahue on Thursday, February 25th or Friday the 26th. Oscar wrote on Sunday, and Monday was President's Day, so no mail went out. Bird ordered all of the evidence destroyed on Monday the 28th. The timing here feels too spot on to be just a coincidence. If Donahue contacted TCSO between Thursday and Monday, and asked that the fingerprints from Oscar's truck be compared to a suspect in custody for a different crime, would that have been enough for Bird to panic and have the case evidence destroyed? Oscar was focused on the notepad and the fingerprints from his truck, and was actually coming up with viable suspects to compare against those items. There is no question that TCSO and Powell were fully aware of Oscar's activities since Donahue conveyed this information directly to them. Had Hensley matched prints from the truck or notepad to D'Angelo? Was Bird worried about Grubb's identification of a possible Type A killer that matched the EAR? All of the circumstances point to Bird being spooked by Donahue's requests and destroying all of the evidence before Oscar, SSO, or VPD asked for a comparison against the correct suspect, and Donna's real killer was revealed. Donahue to Oscar, March 21, 1977. 
I do not know whether any unidentified latent prints found in the pickup belong to John Shuren. I do not recall if I have a written report or simply was told that the paint from the bike did not come from your vehicle, but was from a sheriff's office car that was used to transport the bike from the scene to the sheriff's office. I do not know why Carol and Judy were not called as witnesses by the prosecution. I would assume that they were not called simply for the reason that the girls could not present any evidence other than perhaps the time that they left the victim at the Lee home. Obviously, the girls could have helped determine Donna's likely route home, whether or not they were followed, if they spoke to anyone who knew their plans, and if they saw any vehicles or persons when they rode away from Dawn's house. In regard to the finding of the shoe, I presume that the sheriff's office simply started looking for any possible clues they could find and happened to locate the shoe. As a postscript at the bottom of the March 21 letter, Donahue added on March 30th, I had asked the sheriff's office to compare the fingerprints found in your pickup with those of John Shuren. I have been waiting for a reply from the sheriff's office to these inquiries before sending this letter to you, but to date I have not had a response. I will let you know as soon as I hear about the fingerprints. Oscar had asked for that fingerprint check on February 20th, more than a month earlier. In view of the fact that Mr. Halvinick has been appointed as your attorney on appeal, I would suggest that any further inquiries be directed through his office. Oscar to Donahue, April 6, 1977. Now, I'd still like to see a lab report that the paint on the bike came from a cop car. Who made the report and what date? April 12. I'm writing to see if you can get me every lab report from San Diego. I'm still looking for the lab test on the paint, what date it was done, and by who. That is one thing that should have been tested first, but it's not even on the list of things that went to IFS. Why? Donahue, April 21. You have copies of every report that I received. I have asked the sheriff's office to forward me another copy of Hensley's report. I also requested the sheriff's office to compare the fingerprints found in your pickup with those of John Shuren, and it was found that the fingerprints in your pickup were not John Shuren's. In reference to the paint sample, I was told that it did not come from your truck. I do not recall receiving a written report on the same. Again, I suggest that your letters to me should be directed to your court-appointed counsel. On May 30th, 1977, Oscar again asked for the reports from San Diego and Morton's lab on all of the evidence and missing photos. He said, Now, you may not have received them, but you should have received copies of all tests run. That's the only way you could have proved that I was innocent. Now, since you didn't, the appeal attorney can't see them. I paid you to get all that would help. So ask for these things. I need all of them to show people who are trying to help so they can go over everything. They've been here two times and are coming back again this week. I told them I haven't been able to get those lab reports or my trial transcript yet. So please get these things so they can help. May 31st. Some officers may see you about my case. They may bring out the truth. One thing we learned from these letters that we didn't know before 
is that Oscar had an unnamed TV reporter that visited him multiple times in San Quentin. This journalist appears to be the person who told Oscar about the VREAR connection and was pursuing the story that Donna had been killed by this same suspect. We were fully shocked to read that Oscar believed that members of law enforcement were also actively pursuing an Exeter VREAR connection and were expecting to discuss that lead with Donahue. Clearly, all of this interest was generated by Vaughn and McGowan's visit to Sacramento and the media coverage of a possible break in the cases. On June 9th, Oscar again asked for all of the missing evidence reports and said, I just wish you had the time to sit down and talk with me. Then I could show you a few things in these photos and reports that do not make sense. Most of all, in the reports, one cop's report is not like his statement at my trial. Plus, one of the other cop's reports prove he lied to the grand jury. You may not want to help me, for you keep saying, ask my appeal attorneys. But they were not my trial attorney, and they don't know since they weren't there. So please, answer my questions. If you're not going to send me the records, let me know soon, so that I can go to the courts to get them. Thank you for your time, and please come here if you will. On June 13th, Oscar wrote again and asked for all the same reports. He expressed his frustration that the paint on Donna's bike didn't match his truck and the heel print from Neil Ranch didn't match his boots, but the jury never heard that testimony from the DA's own hired experts. Oscar was correct and making valuable legal arguments about exculpatory evidence that was suppressed and violated his constitutional rights, but nobody would listen. Oscar asked Donahue again in letters on June 15th, 16th, and 17th. Imagine sitting on death row, knowing that there is direct physical evidence that you didn't see before trial that points to the real killer, and everyone tells you that it's too late. June 23rd. About the matches, you said the sheriff's office took them from my home. Why did they take matches? They had not one thing to do with the matter. Or did they have some matches from the place where the body was found? I can tell you this much by looking at the pictures with the bike in them. I have looked at these pictures and reports almost every day, trying to understand what went on there. You can look straight across the bike in more than one tire track picture. How did the car go right across the bike? It had to be dumped there. Can you answer that? June 27th, 1977. Would you please go talk to the man, Wayne Matheny, that went back out to the body with Renteria and ask him if he looked at the body or went up to it. Ask him what kind of boots or shoes he had. Please go get a picture of the spray rig. Take it yourself and the tires also. Would you please get a court order to keep them from doing away with the two so-called rags. That is a shirt and the sleeve of a shirt. They were near the shoe. The ski cap also. July 4th, 1977. You said you would get to the bottom of this before it was over. So please see that I receive what I've asked for so I can help. 
I know the truth that can help is in the lab reports. We should have had those before my trial. The rape charge should have been dismissed on December 27, 1975, when Dr. Miller made his report. They just used that to run me down with. I hope the day comes that they will have to go through what I have. Then they will understand just how it feels to be framed. Donahue to Clifton, July 13th. I have received several letters from you over the past few weeks. I have forwarded to you all the reports that I have or have available to me. I've also received a copy of the appeal brief filed by your attorney in the appeal. His appeal is not on any of the items that you are requesting, and I do not therefore understand your repeated requests for items which I do not have in my possession. Accordingly, I do not feel that there is anything more I can do to be of assistance. Oscar, July 18, 1977. You have said that the things I am asking for are not part of the appeal. I understand this, but the lab reports are part of my case, and they should have been given to you. They could have helped at my trial. They should have been available to you in January 1976. Please answer and get the things I'm asking for within five days, for if I do not get them by asking, I am going to take other steps to receive these things that you should have received at the first of my trial. There is no way you should not have asked for them long ago. Please send me a copy of the letter from Exeter, the one to your wife, that you gave Wiley and they gave me, and I gave it to you. Donahue reply, July 27. I have checked my file for a copy of the letter Mrs. Donahue received, but apparently I did not keep a copy, for I cannot find one. Oscar Hand wrote on the bottom of that response letter from Donahue. Mr. Donahue's wife had received a letter from some unknown person. This letter concerned her husband, my attorney, trying to help me, among other things. It just seemed like Mr. Donahue stopped trying after this letter, and some more things happened to his home. I received a copy by mistake from the sheriff's clerk, but Mr. Donahue took it after receiving word from my wife that I had a copy of this letter. Now, the only proof I have that there was a letter is as stated above. One thing that surprised us about all of these exchanges between Oscar and Donahue was how many details Donahue had missed in his trial preparation and how useful Oscar could have been to his own defense. Oscar on January 31, 1977. The ski cap was there. They went miles to put tire prints against me, so this cap should have been given to the lab. It did have hair in it, according to Parker's report. They looked at the hair. I say anything there should have been at my trial. You didn't see them not showing the invoice book. Also, they did not even have Morton look at the tennis shoe impression tracks and photos at the various locations. He said he knew nothing about them. About the San Diego report I've asked for, I'm asking because you should have received it for sure. I'd like to see what they said about the shoe or boot impressions found at the scene near the body. This is right from Hensley's report. The immediate area of the scene of the body was then examined and several footprints were photographed next to the body. Evidence stands number 34 to 40 were utilized to show locations for these footprints. That is not just one print, so I'd like a copy of them. Oscar to Donahue, 
February 5th. Mr. Donahue, you've never said why Bob Wiley did not show in my trial. He was the first one in my home, then Bird behind him. I'd like this answered. Then, as I've said before, Bird was in on that 1965 charge, plus Ferris at that time. Ferris said someday he'd get me and see that I went to prison. Can you tell me just who found the shoe? This was just before they found a body, and they knew anything about where to look. This was also before the woman called them, the one that found a pair of ladies' capris, a day before. Donahue to Oscar, February 11th, 1977. Evidently, the reason Mr. Wiley was not called as a witness was that he had no testimony to give. Obviously, Wiley should have been forced to testify, under penalty of perjury, about the photo he was seen showing Gloria Muscoro on the morning of the 27th. We know that Johnson's report said that he made multiple copies of Oscar's booking photo earlier that morning, the same one published in the newspaper as, quote, murder suspect that the Brumleys said that they saw before calling the police. Mrs. Lamb found the green capri pants about 5.45 p.m. on December 26th. She found them on Avenue 264. The next day she called the sheriff's office. I do not know what time it was that she called, but it is in the transcript, and reported finding the pants. I assume that when she told them where the pants had been found, that the sheriff's office took the brother and his friend to Av 264 to look for anything else that might have belonged to Donna Joe. Oscar to Donahue, February 14. I'd also like to add this about the boys who found the shoe. They found this at 0940-122775 before the woman called the sheriff's office. On 1228.75 at 0730 hours, officer received a call advising that Laverne Lamb had found a pair of dark green ladies' capris in the road on Avenue 264. This was a day after. Look at Bird's report. February 20th. Then, I hope you note that the shoe was found one day before the woman called the sheriff's office. April 6. Now, can you say why the fibers on the girl that was murdered were not pursued, and why that was not said in my trial? This may prove something. Fibers were found on Donna, compared to Oscar, and did not match. The source of the fibers was never identified. All of these exchanges tell a heartbreaking story that feels like a waking nightmare to read. Neither Donahue nor Pettyjohn picked up on dozens of critical pieces of exculpatory evidence that pointed to a different suspect, lies and inconsistencies by TCSO officer statements and testimony, fatal pre-identification of him by Brumley and Muscoro, Powell's completely intentional lies to the press, and the false charges of rape and sodomy made solely to ruin the jury pool, and pressure them into finding someone guilty. Imagine being on death row, seeing all of this information for the very first time, and being told it's too late. The trial is over. Donahue's responses to Oscar also told a really shocking story about how many critical documents were withheld from the defense prior to the trial. 
Donahue, October 11, 1976. I am enclosing all the Tulare County Sheriff's Office reports and the reports made by Mr. Pettyjohn, which should be of assistance to you. Donahue, November 3, 1976. I have previously forwarded to you a copy of all Sheriff's reports and statements obtained by them from various witnesses. In regard to pictures placed into evidence, they will be available to you and your attorney on appeal. Since they are in evidence, I cannot withdraw the same and forward them to you. I have sent you all the pictures that I have in my possession. November 12th. I am enclosing the following. The Brumley Report, the Moscoro Report, and all Crime Lab reports. Donahue was referring to the Tulare County Sheriff's Office forensic reports not from Morton's lab. If, after receiving these enclosures, you still feel there are other instruments and documents that would be helpful to your attorneys, I will be happy to send the entire file to you. Please advise. Donahue, November 18, 1976. I am enclosing the statements made by Charles and Glenda Dula. November 29. I am enclosing the report of the Brumley incident, the one dated December 28, 1975, and the statement of Genius Sagian, which Mr. Pettyjohn had written out. December 31. In response to your recent letters, I am enclosing the statement made by Jesse Renteria, the gentleman who found the body. All other reports and statements requested by you have been sent to you. Also, I have already sent the photographs you have requested. January 10th, 1977. I am enclosing the following. Dr. Heinrich's report, Hein Laboratory reports, Edward Blake's report, copy of Sheriff's report wherein finding of the body was discussed, and photographs of the bicycle, notebooks, and orchard. I do not have the other items requested in your letter of January 2nd. The items I have forwarded to you, plus the matters in evidence, constitute my entire file. This is all I have available, and when your attorney receives the transcript, he will have a complete file regarding the trial. January 18. Once again, concerning the Sheriff's Office various reports, I believe I have sent you a copy of every report I have in my file. At least, I do not know of any other reports. With regard to the pictures and evidence, they may be obtained by court order. On January 25, 1977, Donahue sent the notepad pages, autopsy report, and invoice book pages. I further wish to point out that during the course of all of our correspondence, I have sent you everything you have asked for that I have in my file. Reading all of this, we can't understand what Donahue was doing. Was he trying to stall and prevent Oscar from seeing the evidence? Or was he realizing that he, himself, never obtained or read many critical documents in the case? Was he slowly giving Oscar the bare minimum from his file? Or was he going to the DA and TCSO to cover his ineffective representation of Oscar at trial? Our best conclusion is that it was a bit of both. Clearly, there are many documents, like Morton's reports, that nobody from the defense got until 2003. There are also several times where Donahue indicates in his letters that he has freshly obtained the requested items from TCSO or the DA. This pattern made us realize that we may have missed another critical factor in Byrd's decision to destroy the case evidence. 
Donahue's requests may have become alarming and made Byrd worry that Oscar and the people helping him were getting too close to the truth. Remember, Byrd wouldn't have been worried about any of this if he actually believed that Oscar was guilty. In that case, all of the evidence could only point back to Oscar. We also want to touch on the Tulare DA's favorite lies when the media asked them about the evidence destruction. Ward and Elevesos have a lot of different responses depending upon how much the journalist knows about the facts. First, they'll try saying, it never happened. It's just a rumor or exaggeration. If that doesn't work, they switch to claiming it was accidental, routine, or they lie about when it happened. They'll also try to imply that Bird had nothing to do with it, that maybe a clerk did it. When ABC 10 pushed past all of those lies with a pile of documents, the DAs told them that Oscar never had a death sentence, was never on death row, and destruction of evidence by law enforcement was not against the law in 1977. Lie after lie after lie, stacked on a pile of more lies. Oscar had been on death row for almost exactly five months when Byrd ordered the destruction of the evidence. There was nothing remotely legal, normal, or routine about it. In fact, Donahue repeatedly assured Oscar that the evidence was safe. Donahue to Oscar, November 12, 1976. I might add that all exhibits will be available to your new attorneys, and all pictures introduced into evidence will be submitted with the transcript. December 27, 1976. You have asked me to furnish you copies of the various items placed into evidence. All of the items of evidence will be maintained, and your counsel may examine any or all of them. February 4, 1977. All the exhibits that are in evidence will be available to you on appeal, and your attorney may obtain such copies as he may wish. Going back once more to stands 34 to 40, these exhibits were put in evidence and will be available to you. I do not have any copies of the same. Photos 34 to 40 were not admitted into evidence, which was the point that Oscar was making. They showed footprints right by Donna's body, which did not match Oscar, and the jury never saw those prints, which likely pointed to the real killer. Oscar never got copies of those photos, and we've never seen them. February 11th. Mrs. Clifton picked up all of your clothing and the guns that were seized. The remaining clothing, which is in evidence, will remain in evidence until the appeal is completed. We have the receipt for those items, which were given to Mrs. Clifton on February 7, 1977. Donahue was correct. None of the 17 items returned to her were admitted into evidence at trial. That last written promise from Donahue was sent 17 days before the evidence was destroyed. This also brings up another one of ADA Alavezos's common dismissals of Oscar's conviction. He lost his appeals, so they had no merit. We've extensively covered Oscar's two appeals on the suppressed alibi witnesses Gerber and Trueblood in 1981 and 1983. 
He lost the first one because of Donahue's fatal accident six hours before the start of the hearing, and the second one because Donahue's original discovery order request to the trial court had only required that TCSO turn over their tapes of prosecution witnesses, not defense witnesses. Obviously, the standard now is that all exculpatory evidence must be turned over, whether or not the defense specifically asks for an item. To call these fair appeals is insulting. However, Oscar's original direct appeal was no better. That was his one and only chance to address any and all errors from the trial. After that, he could only appeal on new evidence that couldn't have been discovered before trial. 